Well, it is uh, August, so we are, we are quickly approaching that uh, beginning of the school year, aren't we, right? Uh, it's officially back to school month for students and teachers in our communities. Uh, please don't send me hate mail because I'm bringing that up, uh, it, it, but it just is. <laughs> There's nothing we can do about it. Um, and I was thinking about that, you know, for many uh, students especially, um, a new school year often means moving up a grade and, and of course, reconnecting with, uh, with friends um, after a summer apart. Uh, but for some, for some students, it means starting at a new school uh, where they know few people or, or maybe no people at all. Um, college freshmen would, would be in that setting, going to a, a new school. Um, uh, students who've moved to a new town are in that setting. We've got a neighbor we just found out is moving, and so their uh, boy will be starting at a new school. Um, uh, in our house, uh, Melanie is kind of in that setting. She's starting preschool this year, and so, um, you know, she's, uh, she's going to be experiencing that type of thing. Now, if, 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 you are, if you are a parent who currently has a kid in that setting, or if you have ever been in that situation in the past, what is something that you hope happens quickly when your child begins at a new school? What do we hope happens real quickly? Make friends, right? I mean, that, that's what we want to happen. Well, let me ask the question, why? Why, I mean, why is that? Why is that just innate within us? Our kids go to a new school and we hope they make friends quickly. Why? And I know that seems like a silly question to ask, but why are we concerned with that? I mean, I, I'm not worried about whether or not they're going to study the Pythagorean theorem this year. I'm not sweating that. Um, really not too concerned with how many times grilled cheese will be on the lunch menu. Like, doesn't bother me. But why am I so concerned about my children making friends, having relationships with other people? Is it perhaps, perhaps because deep down we know that we are relational beings who need relationships with other people? Perhaps is that why we kind of go to that right away? We hope our kids make new friends quickly. Is there something within us that senses that a, a person devoid of relationships is not in a good spot? But the question is why? You know, why are we relational beings? And, and what does it mean for us when it comes to relationships? Th those, are, those are a couple of the things that, that we're going to examine this morning um, as we continue in this summer series, looking at themes in the Bible that first appear in the opening pages of Genesis, we get to the topic of relationships. And, and in order to answer the question of why we desire to have relationships with other people, we have to remember what we talked about the very first week of this series. We have to remember in whose image we've been created very first week, we talked about what it means to be created in God's image. And, and beginning with Genesis 1, 26 through 28, we looked at 
We looked at how being created in God's image addresses things like our origin, our value, our purpose. Uh, we talked about our identity as image bearers of God. Um, we discussed how, how humans are spiritual beings. We are verbal beings. We are moral beings. But we didn't mention relational beings in that first sermon. Uh, we get to that part of the discussion today. We are in God's image. We are relational beings as well. It's such a big topic that it really does warrant its own sermon. Because we are created in the image of God, we are relational creatures. We are created to be in relationship. And I would, you know, in this way, we are like our God. We are like our God in that way. God is a triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he has existed eternally in relationship because he is a triune God. And I, and I know this is not the easiest concept to grasp. In fact, I think this is one of the most difficult concepts to grasp, the triune nature of God, but, but it is a truth communicated to us in the pages of Scripture. In fact, I, I think I mentioned in that very first week, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, let us make man in our image. Who's God talking to there? He's talking to himself, right? Let us make man in our image. Again, he is one God in three persons. And, and rather than focus on the mechanics of that statement, because that's really where, you know, smoke starts coming from our heads trying to handle that in a, in a mechanical kind of way, let's focus on one of the implications of that reality, God being three in one. In, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that famous spot where John records that God is love, Three short words, God is love. But there is a lot packed into that statement, God is love. Not just that God possesses love or shows love, but God is love. He is love in his very being. Now, what is absolutely necessary in order for love to be present? There has to be relationship of some kind. You cannot have love without relationship in some way. So, so that means that if God were not a triune God, if he were not a triune God existing in three persons, then in order to be love in his very being, there would have to be an external being or object of his love. He can't be love eternally if there's no relationship in which to be love and to show love and to display love. So, so that means that when God existed prior to any part of his creation, and we know that God existed before creation because Genesis 1-1 says it. In the beginning, God created. He was the first. So God has existed. If he is love, there would have had to have been something or someone else in existence eternally with God in order for him to be love. And if any other being is 
eternal like God with no, being, no beginning or no end, then now we've got competing gods rather than a triune God. Our brains are scrambled, right? I mean, th- this, is, <laughs> this is crazy stuff to try to think through. God can only be love because he is one God in three persons. All three persons of the, of the Trinity eternally love one another in relationship together. That's why John can write, God is love. For eternity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been loving one another. Now, now that's, that's as theologically deep as we're gonna get today, so we can take a breath right there. Uh, we probably could keep trying to scramble our brains even more, and if you'd like to grab coffee sometime, we can do that and see how much we can confuse ourselves. But God is love. He exists in uh, uh, Trinity three and one. Because God is love and because we are created in the image of that relational God, we are relational beings, just like he is. And when you think about it, we are born into relationship. From the very beginning, even before we are born, in order for a human being to come into this world, there is first a nine-month relationship that begins with mother and unborn baby. And then after the baby is born, the intention is that the child then grows and matures within a family where relationships continue. Now, in a perfect world, that would be the natural situation into which every person on earth begins their life. Except for Adam, in Genesis chapter two. The world was perfect when it came to Adam at that point, but because Adam was created in a way different, a way apart from physical birth, he was missing something. Now, so go ahead, turn with me to Genesis chapter two. Um, One thing we have to keep in mind as we read this this morning, we have to keep in mind that the Bible contains two creation accounts. So in Genesis chapter one, the creation account is given to us in an ordered, uh, structured, logically progressing kind of a way. In Genesis chapter two, the same creation is viewed from a different lens. In that account, we see more of the relational details between God and mankind and between man and woman. So in Genesis chapter one, Adam and Eve come on the scene at the same time. God said, let us make mankind in our own image, male and female, he created them. But in chapter two, we get a different side of the story. Genesis 2, 18 says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So at this point in creation, it's only Adam. And and while uh, chapter one spoke time and time again of creation being good, God created, it was good. God created, it was good. God created, it was very good. God surveyed the scene in the account in chapter two and proclaimed that it's not good that Adam is alone, that he's without human relationship. Now there's no question that that the specific relationship which we will see come to fruition in this chapter is the very first marriage relationship. There's no question about that. 
And, and we're going to focus specifically on marriage next week. What we'll talk about today is relationship in general. Um, nothing that I will say today is reserved for marriage. That's next week. Today is relationship in general. Now, some things can potentially be experienced to a greater degree in marriage, but nothing today is confined to marriage. We'll say it that way. And one other quick thing to note here before we move on, Adam's not completely alone, right? He's not completely alone. We, we talked a couple weeks ago about how the Garden of Eden can be seen as the first sanctuary where God met with mankind. To this point, Adam has unhindered access to that sanctuary, to the place where God meets with him. He's got a sinless relationship with God at this point in the story. So when God says that Adam is alone, we understand that he is specifically referring to human relationships. It's not good for Adam to be devoid of human relationship. We might even say it contradicts the image of God in which he was created. So he's not alone in a totality total sense, but when it comes to human relationships, he is alone. So, so we see why we're relational beings. We, we are that way because God created us that way. We see that to be devoid of human relationship is not good, as God states. But how is that problem solved? How do we solve that? In essence, what does it, what does it mean to have a relationship with another human being? What is that thing which defines what a relationship is? I mean, if someone asked you, what is a relationship with somebody else? How would we define the essence of that? I think, I think from uh, just from simple observation and experience, we, we know that we can eliminate some things. Uh, we know that a relationship is not defined by time. Uh, I can be acquainted uh, with someone for 40 years, but that doesn't mean I have a relationship with them. So just because I, I am acquainted for a long period of time doesn't mean that there is a relationship there. Uh, we know that a relationship is not defined by proximity. I can live next to someone for 40 years, but that doesn't mean that I have a relationship with them. On the contrary, as a result of technology today, I can live halfway around the world from someone, and because of that technology, I can have a deep relationship with them. So we know that proximity doesn't define what a relationship is. Uh, we know a relationship is not defined by similarities. I can have identical interests and hobbies and personalities, characteristics, beliefs as someone, but that doesn't mean that I'm in a relationship with them. And again, the opposite. I, I can be so completely different from somebody in all of those categories and yet still have a deep relationship with them. So we know that similarities isn't it. We know a relationship is not defined by mutual goals. I can, I can work alongside someone daily building a house, building a company, whatever goal we have set before us, but that doesn't mean that we have a relationship together just because we're both working toward the same goal. Now, time, proximity, similarities, mutual goals, those can all be tools that aid 
in building a relationship. I think we understand that. They can help relationships grow deeper, but they aren't what a relationship is at its essence. What a relationship is, I think based upon our experience and based upon biblical text, is being known. A relationship is being known by another person and knowing that other person. That is what defines relationship, being known. Um, Another way to say it, the the depth of a relationship is directly affected by how much two people are known by one another. And we see this first and foremost in the nature of our God. So if I ask the question, is is our God, again, our, our triune God who has existed in relationship for all eternity, Is our God a God who seeks to be known by humans, or is he a God who seeks to hide from humans? Well, you know, the very fact that we have this, that we have a Bible, is a huge clue that God seeks to be known, that he seeks to reveal himself to us as humans. And, And even what God communicates in the Bible underscores that fact. Uh, uh, I was thinking just about the book of Exodus. That theme comes up over and over again. Uh, What we read earlier, God revealed himself to Moses by giving him his name, Yahweh. God's revealing himself to Moses there. Uh, God revealed himself to the people by showing his mighty acts. He revealed himself through the giving of the Ten Commandments. I mean, that passage starts, he says, I'm the Lord your God. This is who I am. This is what I've done. I've brought you out of slavery. God is reminding them of who he is, revealing himself even further. And we can go outside of Exodus. Uh, In Psalm 46, verse 10, we are invited to be still and know that I am God. God says, know who I am. Uh, uh, Isaiah chapter five, God says he will show himself holy in righteousness. Ezekiel 11, God says that even his judgment upon his people is that so that they will know that he is the Lord. Uh, John 1.18, when talking about God the Son becoming human, we're, we're told that it's through Jesus that God is made known. Uh, The very purpose of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 is so that the world would come to know who God is. And I mean, we could go on and on and on. God strives to make himself known. There's just no question about it. And as relational people made in his image, we are created to make ourselves known to others. Now, in a world without sin, that would happen naturally as we interact with people. That would just be what we do. In a world without sin, there's, there's no shame. There's nothing for us to keep hidden from one another. But we don't live in that world, do we? And, and upon Adam and Eve's first sin, look at what happened. And again, let's think about this being known. Uh, This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. So they just ate the fruit. It says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the, cool, in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid himself from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So as soon, as soon as sin entered the picture, Adam and Eve sought to hide. They, uh, well, which is the opposite of being known, right? To not be known is to hide. And so they hid from each other. They hid from each other by, by sewing fig leaves together for clothes, and they hid from God by trying to hide among the trees of the garden. As fallen people in a fallen world, our tendency is to hide. We see it right from the very beginning, and it's no different with us today. The tendency is to hide ourselves. And it's a risk, right? It's a risk to open ourselves, to be known to other people. Uh, it's one thing to share with someone our name, our age, our marital status, our occupation, um, even our favorite food. Like, that, that's not a huge risk, but it's another thing to share with someone our struggles and our fears and our dreams and our hopes and our failures. Uh, as people created in God's image, we are made to be known. And not just the surface things, but the deep things as well. And it is not good when we are not known. And again, th th this is something that's at the core of a marriage relationship, but it's not confined to a marriage. In fact, when God's church is, is functioning as it's intended to, it, it is a group of people who are deeply known by one another. That's just part of, of what the church was intended to be. And I, I, th there's an interesting statement made by Paul in 2 Corinthians that I want to draw our attention to. And I've read over this lots of times before and just never really caught it. Uh, when, when you look at both of Paul's letters to, uh, to the church in Corinth, uh, you see some differences in those letters. So in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul addresses issues within the church that, he, that he's made, been made known of. Um, he answered some of their questions that they've asked him. In 2 Corinthians, it, it, it's a much more personal letter. Uh, it's a letter in which Paul's relationship with the church is a main topic of discussion. And so those are the times where Paul writes about how he's poured himself out for the church. He's made himself known to them. A lot of those lists about the struggles that he's encountered and things like that, 2 Corinthians. And he, he uh, well, in one of those spots, in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, he's showing himself, he's revealing himself in that way. But as he's doing that, he seems to just abruptly stop and say this, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Paul says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. And, and when you read the letter, you really can't come to any other conclusion. Paul's heart is wide open. He says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. I, it seems that Paul was making himself known to the church, but they were hiding themselves from him. And, and, and he, what he desired was that their relationship would deepen through their own transparency, 
that, that they would widen their hearts to Paul. The church is to be a place where we can make ourselves known and come to know others. Um, now we're all sinners, right? We're all sinners with darkness inside of us that we'd rather not admit, I think, if we're honest about it. And, and our sins and our failures naturally drive us to hide from one another, just like with Adam and Eve, or at least hide that part of ourselves. But as we make our experiences, as, as we make ourselves known to others and, and see deep relationships with others form, we're, we're going to find that there are some great things that take place in our lives. And I, I just want to mention a few of these this morning. These are all from the book of Galatians. Um, this is by no means an exclusive biblical list that, that I'll give here, but, uh, but I think these are some of the more significant outcomes of being in relationship together. So in Galatians chapter 5, we get the list of the fruit of the Spirit. As we are known by one another, the fruit of the Spirit can grow within us. Have you ever noticed that, that great list of character qualities that Paul gives? Have you ever noticed that they all pertain to relationships? Either, either relationships with God or our relationships with one another. They all pertain to relationships. Love, which we already said has to exist in relationship, but joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all relational terms. And I think we know that because when we struggle with those, what's always the setting where we struggle with those? In relationship, right? <laughs> with somebody else. When we're not displaying the fruit of the Spirit, it's in relationship. So, so to shy away from being known, to shy away from relationship and, and limit the depth of those in our lives, it, I think is to constrain the work of the Holy Spirit in producing those fruit. We need to be known by others if we are going to reflect more and more the image of God. So, so I would say, if it feels like maybe you've hit a wall in, in your spiritual growth, perhaps it's worth examining relationships with others to see if, uh, am I truly making myself known to people in my life? And if not, maybe, maybe there's a reason I've kind of hit a wall in, in my spiritual growth. Might my relationships or, or lack of depth in my relationships be hindering some of that? So I think we see that outcome. Uh, the second outcome of being in relationship with others is, is that we find accountability. With, uh, with regard to sin. Um, Galatians 6, 1 talks about this. It says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, those who are spiritual should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. I would argue that being in relationship with someone can even stop the process from ever getting to that point. You know, as, as we make ourselves known to others, we, we give them the opportunity to speak truth into our lives regarding those areas where, where we might be more prone to sin or we are venturing toward sin. 
you know, rather than waiting to get caught and, and seeking forgiveness and making restitution, we can benefit from the accountability that comes with being in relationship with someone else. The space that we give them as we make ourselves known that they can speak into our life. And, and again, I would say, if it feels like there's, there's a sin in your life that just kind of keeps cropping up, and perhaps it's worth examining relationships to see if, if being known more deeply by others might be an avenue that God will use to bring greater victory in that area. It just might be, and I would say it's, it's worth examining that. And then finally, uh, being in relationship with others provides the opportunity for us to carry one another's burdens. And we see that in the very next verse, Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The more we allow ourselves to be known, the more we will find people willing and able to journey with us and help us carry our burdens. Um, it might seem easier to just pretend, pretend everything's all right, things are fine, but that leads to us carrying our burdens alone. I mean, that, that is just simply the outcome. And, and when I say alone, I, I mean the same kind of alone that Adam experienced in the garden. Uh, just as God was with Adam, God will always be with us. He's never going to forsake us. He will never leave us alone, if I can phrase it that way. Um, Psalm 68, 19 says that he daily bears us up or bears our burdens. So, so I'm not describing no, n nobody there. God will always be there as he was with Adam, but we have to remember back to the garden, that scenario was described as not good because there was not relationship, human relationship that Adam could have. In fact, I would argue that one of the ways God bears our burdens is through his people, as we bear one another's burdens. That's one of the avenues that God uses. So uh, again, if, if it feels like the burdens of life are, are, are just crushing and, and you don't know how you can continue on, I think it's worth examining relationships, asking, am I truly making myself known, especially this area where I'm feeling this burden? Am I giving others the opportunity to, to carry that alongside me? And, and, and if you find yourself in that place today, I want you to know that there is a church body right here willing to help carry that burden. But we can only do it as we make ourselves known to one another's can't read minds, right? Maybe some of you are better at it than I am. Some of you are more perceptive than I am, but, but it's as we make ourselves known that we can carry one another's burdens in Christ. Now, you know, obviously in a church body such as ours, you and I aren't going to have the same level of relationship with each and every person. It, it, it's just not going to happen. We're not going to be known to the same depth by every person here but it's essential that we are known deeply by someone, or maybe a few someones. And, and there's, there's lots of ways we can pursue those kinds of relationships, being known to one another. Um, I, I 
specifically present our community groups to you this morning as, as a great way to foster that kind of knowing. Um, you know, I, I can speak from my own experience over the years, um, uh, just being in different community groups that, that Megan and I have valued being able to share with others what's going on in our lives. You know, and, and I try to do that regularly as I preach to kind of help make myself more and more known to you. But, but our community group um, really provides that setting for Megan and me to, to go more in depth about joys and struggles and failures and, and, and things like that. And so, so in, in examining your own situation, if, if, if you sense being known in a deeper way as something that, that you maybe need to pursue, then I'd encourage you to, to come talk to us about, about being plugged into a community group. It's a, it's a great environment for that. Um, we've got groups that have openings right now, and so it wouldn't take long to get you plugged in to one. Um, and, and Pastor Tim is the one that, that kind of spearheads that for us here at EBC. So I guess if you want to take out the middleman, you can just go directly to him to get lined up with that. But, um, but, but either one of us, uh, if you come, I uh, would, uh, would be thrilled to connect you in that way. And, and as I said, community groups aren't the only way to be known by brothers and sisters in Christ. But, but I, I think they're a great way to do that. And, and, and I'd love for any of us here to explore that um, if you've not done so previously. Um, our, our God, it, he's a relational being. There's just no question. God in his essence is a relational being. And because we're created in his image, we are as well. We are relational beings. And I can say with confidence this morning that because of the way God has chosen to work in his people, the more we make ourselves known to others, the more we'll see God working within us. And we can not like that, but that's how God has created us. That's how he's chosen to work. And I think as we make ourselves known to others, we do like it. We're created for it. So the challenge for us is to strive to live out God's image upon us by being a church body, by, by being individuals who are known, who make ourselves known to one another and who take the time to know others as well in deep ways. Let's stand together and give praise to God this morning and, and ask him to continue to lead us in this area. Heavenly Father, it uh, seems like we just have to start with you and who you are and give you thanks that you are a relational God. That as a triune God, you have existed in relationship for eternity and you are love and and. That is such a blessing for us. God, I pray that as we, as we dwell and reflect upon who you are, that we would understand more and more what that means for us being created in your image. God, I pray for each and every one of us that we would fight against that tendency to hide. We all know it's there. We know what it feels like. We can 
put our finger on situations where that's, that's how we respond. God, but help us to, to feel the freedom to make ourselves known, to pursue those relationships that you've created us to have. And God, I thank you for the blessings that will come about as a result of that. I thank you for a, a church body that, that pursues that. I thank you uh, even being able to be a pastor and say that uh, I feel joy in being able to make myself known to this group of people. God, it's, a, it's truly a blessing. And I pray that it, that would be a blessing that, that we would lean into. God, I pray right now specifically for our community groups that, that, that those would be places where we are more and more known to one another and, and, and not just the details of, of today and, and our favorite foods and things like that, but, but truly being known in the depths of who we are. And God, for all relationships, I pray that for spouses, I pray that for families, I pray that for for neighbors and, and uh, deep friends and coworkers, God, I, I pray that the relationships in our lives would be growing deeper. Would you guide us in that? Would you give us the strength to do that? Would you give us the wisdom to do that? And the courage to do that, God, the courage to make ourselves known to one another. We thank you for how you reveal yourself to us. And it's only because of that that we can worship you now. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.